Hello, and welcome to our Watches as an Adult, the podcast where I review movies from my childhood from an adult perspective. And this week, I will be reviewing 1995's Mallrats. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Like I said, today we're going to be reviewing Mallrats from 1995. Uh, excuse my, the way I sound, uh, I got allergies, allergies are going around, I, I might be sneezing, I don't know, you know, I'm gonna try to, I'm, I'm gonna hold it back the best I can on this, uh, on this podcast, uh, this, 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 on this day, uh, <laughs> everybody's got the allergies today, you know, spring's coming, and like, and, covid still around hopefully hopefully i never get covid hopefully i never get that but um yeah everybody's got everybody's got allergies in in the crib today Uh, i got allergies my wife has allergies my daughter has some allergies a little bit you know hers is not as bad as uh my wife and ours but (laughs) my wife and mine excuse me uh but the allergies are still there so like it's a very allergetic house i know you guys are probably like man motherfucker just dust but but yeah that's not the problem you know but yeah man it's just allergy season like it happens we got uh allergy medicine we've been taking i really got i'm probably gonna take one after this podcast i should have took one before the podcast but i wasn't thinking and it didn't hit me it it didn't really hit me until i hit record and i was like fuck my allergies so uh (laughs) that's kind of my that's kind of my mistake but anyway, yeah, um, gonna be reviewing Mallrats. Uh, just had to give you a little disclaimer to why I sound like I might sound like a, uh, a fish underwater or whatever the fuck. But yeah, um, gonna be talking about Mallrats. Like I said, I said that like three times already. Uh, first, I want to talk about a documentary I saw. This is gonna be a very, very '90s show. <laughs> today very very 90s show it's kind of a coincidence i'm talking coincidence that i'm talking about a movie that's very very 90s and now i'm going to talk about a documentary that's very very 90s very very 90s it's so 90s that the documentary is called kid 90 so uh (laughs) so yeah i watched a documentary on hulu uh this past weekend called kid 90 uh, it's actually a documentary, uh, it was, uh, produced and directed by, uh, Soleil Moonfry, uh, that name might not sound familiar, if that name does sound familiar, you're, you're very, uh, equipped in your 80s actresses, because Soleil Moonfry played Punky Brewster in the 80s, so, uh, this is a documentary that she made from old recordings like old video recordings old uh tape recordings uh because like it's audio and visual you know uh, it's just her talking about growing up as a teenager in the 90s because she's got footage of her and all her famous teen friends She's even got some of her new footage with some of her famous teen, teen friends. Uh, Paul Gosler's in this movie, in this uh, documentary. David Arquette's in this documentary. Stephen Dorff is in this documentary. There are some. Uh, Brian Austin Green is also in this documentary. 
a lot of people that were like child uh, child and teenage stars in the early 90s are in this uh documentary and like she pretty much just talks about her time growing up in the 90s as a child star transitioning into being a teen star we talked they talked a lot about her uh her 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 I hate to be crass about this, but you know me. I gotta be me. Like, they talked a lot about her titties, you know? Because <laughs> Soleil Moon Fry got titties at a very young age. She got tits at, like, fucking 12 years old. And they talked about that a lot. And she talked about how they didn't treat her like a, uh... They didn't treat her like a little girl once she got titties. They treated her like a grown-ass woman, you know? And, you know, it's kind of sad, but it happens, you know, uh, she had to go, she, I think she went and, and got a breast augmentation when she was like, what, I think like 15? When she was like 15 years old, she finally, uh, like kind of got those things, uh, you know, reduced. She got a breast reduction, uh, something else that another actress, another, uh, kid actress from the 80s did, uh, Kim Fields. She's another person I would like to, uh, hear about. Cause like, she kind of had that, uh, she kind of had that uh, type of thing going on with her too. Like she, she got big tits at a young age. You know, <laughs> she she developed really early. Uh, and then uh, they even did an episode of uh, there's a show. If you listen to this podcast, you probably know what the show. Is. She was on a show called Living Single. Uh, you know, and they had an episode about her uh, kind of getting getting breast reduction surgery because I think she really got breast reduction surgery. <laughs> At around that time, she waited a little bit. She waited until she was a little bit older. She had to be in like her, I want to say maybe early to mid twenties when she finally got breast reduction surgery. So like she waited, she waited a bit longer than uh, Soleil Moon Fry. But yeah, man, I would love to hear her story about like if uh, guys treated her differently when she was a teenager with with these just huge gigantic boobs you know because <laughs> like she's another one another uh child actress that that uh got that kind of treatment you know where it was like oh god look at those titties you know <laughs> but i would like to hear it from her mouth uh <laughs> but yeah so Moon fry was talking about her titties uh and um and oh man another I'm thinking about it right now because uh, Jonathan Brandis. They talk about Jonathan Brandis in this uh, documentary too. I think Jonathan Brandis was a friend of hers. He was even at her breast reduction surgery with her. Uh, he was there, and he was her friend. But I think he wanted to be more. I think he really wanted to be her boyfriend. <laughs> and we gonna get we gonna get to Sole Moon's fry Sole Moon Fry's choice in men in a little bit. But yeah, man, it was like actually fun. It kind of made me nostalgic. I wasn't a teenager in the 90s. I didn't turn 13 till like 1998. You know, so, <laughs> so like I guess you could say I'm like a I'm like a late 90s, early 2000s teen. You might say because like I like I didn't turn 13 till I was about like till I was uh, till 1998. So. uh a lot of the 90s as a teen i just i didn't i didn't get to because i was a little kid because i can because uh in 19 i think she was talking about 
1991. 1991, I was like six years old or some shit, I think. But <laughs> five or six, you know. So like, I wasn't really like I wasn't a teenager in 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 the early 90s. I was a kid. So like, a lot of that stuff, I was still I was still nostalgic over because like I want I remember I like in the 90s I wanted to be a teenager so fucking bad. I wanted to be a teenager so bad in the early 90s because it looked so fucking cool to be a teenager in the early 90s but I was but like my teen years were mm, they were okay you know (laughs) you know like like whatever you whenever it's like whenever you grow up you grow up you know like whatever time frame you grow up in you grow up and you're gonna have a you're gonna have the fucking time of your life you know it doesn't really matter but like I really wanted to be a teenager in the 90s for some reason though but yeah but but, like looking at this shit you know like just the fashion and what they wore and what they were looking at and what they were listening to you know it's just so it was something that I wanted to get into like I wanted to listen to grunge music at at, at an early age I wanted to listen to gangster rap you know (laughs) you know like you know, like, I wanted to do all this shit, but growing up as a kid in the 90s wasn't bad either, we had, like, some of the best cartoons, we had some of the best, uh, some of the best, uh, what the fuck am I talking about, I forgot already, but, uh, like I said, we had best cartoons, best toys, we had some of the best toys, uh, video game consoles, I played Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis a lot, you know, and I had a Game Boy and a Game Gear, you know, growing up, yeah, I know, Sididi, right? But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, but, like, looking back at those, like, old, looking back at that old footage she was showing, it was, like, very, very nostalgic, even though I wasn't a teen in the 90s, I was a little kid, but looking at all that shit just made me nostalgic. Um, but yeah, man, she talked about some, she talked about some things, Soleil Moon Fry, let's just get to it, Soleil Moon Fry did not have the best choice of men, she did not, she did not pick boyfriends well, uh, and all her boyfriends were older than her, uh, cause I remember, uh, before I get to all those older boyfriends, uh, maybe I should get to the, all those older boyfriends, but because that'll probably make this a little bit, make this stick out a little bit more. Uh, she dated Mark Wahlberg for a little bit, uh, who's a bit older than her. He's not, he's not that much older than her, but he's a bit older than her. Uh, she dated Danny Boy from House of Pain, and he almost took her virginity, I think. Uh, she didn't re- re- she didn't reveal who almost took her virginity but she said she was had a she had a, a time when she was like 17 i want to say she was 17 years old and danny boy from house of pain almost took her virginity because they were dating it was some it was kind of some statutory rape shit because danny boy was only 25 i mean he was 25 years old uh danny boy was 25 years old dating a 17 year old just putting that shit out there, that's some fucking stat shit, that's some fucking borderline R. Kelly shit, okay, um, and, like, Danny Boy still walking around here roaming for, walking around here free, uh, Soleil Moon Fry is, like, in her 40s now, uh, Danny Boy's in his 50s now, by the way, uh, and 
they meet up at the end like that shit wasn't even like like a crime you know <laughs> like because like this new footage like she goes and visits danny boy she goes and visits danny boy and uh they just act like that shit wasn't wasn't she just acts like this shit was normal. Like, she didn't see anything wrong with it. You know, even as a 40-something-year-old woman with kids of her own. I think she has a teenage daughter now, too. You know, she didn't see anything wrong with it. It was kind of weird. It was kind of strange. Uh, but the one that got to me the most... Oh, she also dated... Uh, There's this kid, uh, Justin Pierce. He was in the movie Kids. And he was also... uh For uh black people who don't know who Justin Pierce is, <laughs> he was Roach in the second friday movie so she dated him for a little bit uh he actually died in uh 2000 i want to say 2000 or 2001 uh when uh justin pierce actually passed away i think he committed suicide uh but um yeah she dated him for a little bit but the biggest one that fucking creeped me the fuck out more than danny boy was she fucking dated charlie sheen at 19 years old and she let him take her virginity she lost her fucking virginity to Charlie Sheen <laughs> of all people. And this is like Charlie Sheen when he was like, like everybody knew he was a fucking scumbag. You know, like everybody knew like what he was into. Uh, they knew this nigga like, was like deep with Heidi Fleiss. You know, <laughs> like if you don't know what Heidi, who Heidi Fleiss is, Heidi Fleiss was like a high price madam. She, like, she had like high price hookers in like fucking Los Angeles and charlie sheen was one of her biggest fucking customers like charlie sheen would have hookers uh he had a i think he had a wife i forgot the girl's name the girl's name escaped me but i remember he had a domestic abuse case in the mid 90s and he had another he had like two domestic abuse cases because he had another domestic abuse case i think uh this porn chick named ginger lynn uh she was really big in the 80s and the early 90s like her porno was really big then she did some things in like the 2000s too but uh because like i think she came back for a little bit she's also in the uh turn the page video by metallica she's 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 the the stripper slash prostitute in that uh in that video but yeah i think like ginger lynn had a domestic abuse case against him uh, there was another chick who was like, I think, like his wife for a little bit. And she had a domestic abuse case against him, um, you know. And Soleil Moon Fry let this dude take her cookie, you know, like she let him take, she let him take her V card. This is she. Had, so her first sexual experience was with Charlie Fucking Sheen. Meanwhile, I'm. This is where it is. He, uh. John and Brandis had a fucking crush on her. He said he had a th- like he had a thing for her. She kept that motherfucker in the friend zone. Uh, Mark Paul Gosler, who played Zach Morris on Saved by the Bell, said he had a thing for her. And I think she said secretly she had a thing for him, and he didn't find out till like the documentary. <laughs> and he was like, he said, "Whoa, you, you tell me all this time I had a shot." <laughs> he was kind of like. He had that look on his face, like, "Whoa, you tell me I had a shot? I could have, we could have been together. You serious? You know?" But, <laughs> but yeah, he said that he had a crush on Soleil Moon Fry, and they never, they never, he never pursued it, and she never pursued it. But uh, 
And like she's really close with us. She was really close to Stephen Dorff. I heard Stephen Dorff is kind of a douche though, but maybe not him. He was a, he was the same age range as her, but maybe not him. Uh, yeah. But yeah, man, that shit that shit creeped me the fuck out, man. I was like, she lost her virginity to Charlie Sheen. But yeah, man. Anyway, um, I thought it was an okay documentary. It wasn't what I expected it to be. You know, I thought they were like, I thought this was going to be like a linear story about all the kids of the 90s, but it really wasn't. It was just like home video, home movies, uh, Soleil doing some narration. She threw one of her old child star friends in there. And, but like, that was the biggest reveal for me is like, she lost her virginity to fucking Charlie Sheen and she was dating fucking Danny Boy from house of pain when she was 17 and he was 25 that was the that was the biggest revelation for me i let her slide with mark Wahlberg. mark Wahlberg wasn't that much older than her you know he was a little bit older than her he was kind of in a stack situation too but but he wasn't that much older than her i think he's only like what maybe three or four years older than her you know, he wasn't that much older, but still, he's, he, he was kind of borderline stash ter- territory, too. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, it, that fucking documentary was wild. I think they, they were talking about, like, all the 90s kids that did dope. Uh, I think David Arquette admitted to smoking crack, you know? <laughs> which explains David Arquette. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, man, documentary was okay, I don't know if I will rewatch it again, I'll probably have to rewatch it again, because I'm talking about it, but there's probably still some fucking things that I missed, but, like, from what I saw, it was just a bunch of, like, just a bunch of, like, home movies spliced together, and telling her story, like, the big, like, the, that was, that was the two biggest things that, uh, jumped out to me was, they were, they were talking about her titties, uh, she put John and Brandis in the friend zone. Uh, she dated Danny Boy and uh, she fucked Charlie Sheen. Uh, Charlie Charlie Sheen took her virginity, which is fucking gross. Uh, I hope she got I hope she got a fucking test after that because you know that motherfucker that, that motherfucker had HIV. <laughs> he had HIV and I hope she got a fucking fucking test. But anyway, um. Of, of all people, I'm kind of disappointed, but anyway, uh, but like that's her life. Fuck it. Anyway, yeah, man, documentary is okay. If you want to check it out, you can check it out. If you don't, you don't have to. That's that was my review of Kid Ninety. I'll be back with uh, the review from All Rats after these messages. Okay, guys, Mall Rats, 1995. You know I like to start this thing off. I like to start it off on how I saw the movie as a child. I saw this movie for the first time on cable when I was uh, 14 years old. And uh, at that time, I was the hugest, like the biggest comic book geek. You know, like I started reading uh, comic books when I was... I want to say I started reading comic books really early. I want, I want to say I started reading comic books when I was five, but like it wasn't like I wasn't reading like Superman, Batman, or the X Men or no shit like that. 
I was reading like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and not like the Mirage Studios Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I was reading like the Archie Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I was reading like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like the animated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I was reading uh, Mighty Mute Animals, you know, like comic books like that. I was reading like really, you know, like kid friendly comics. Because, uh, like, I was really into the Ninja Turtles at the time. Anything the Ninja Turtles were in, uh, I was reading. I think I was reading DuckTales at the time, too. I had, like, a lot of, like, those Carl Banks, like, DuckTales uh, comics also. So, like, I, I, I've been reading comics since I could fucking read. But, uh, <laughs> but I didn't get really intensely into comics until I was about, like, 9 or 10 years old when I like I started reading like X-Men and Spider-Man and um Fantastic Four and I was reading like the Avengers and I was reading uh whenever Black Panther came around I read fuck that would fuck with Black Panther uh shit uh I was reading I was reading Batman yeah I was reading Batman read read, read some Superman Superman's not really my favorite book no, no, no diss to Superman, but it's not really my favorite book. But like, like my favorite ones were like Spider Man, X Men, and Fantastic Four. Those are my f- absolute favorites. I love those comics. Um, but after that, it was after that. Like I started, like I started getting into more adult comic books. I started like reading Spawn and Wildcats, and uh, uh, there was another Gen Thirteen. I was reading Gen Thirteen. Uh. uh Generation X, I like Generation X too. Like I've kind of found Generation X to be a little bit more adult to me. Uh, a lot of those books, I was reading like Witchblade. You know, <laughs> like I, I, I checking on, I'm checking in, like read those books from time to time. So uh, by fourteen, I was like immersed in like comic book shit. You know, uh, <laughs> I like I would like buy, I would like go to the comic book shop and like my mom would take me to the comic book shop and buy me like a whole bunch of fucking comic book book comic books uh she'd buy me like comic book cards you know um like i would like trade comic books with kids at school you know they're like hey this book's good let's, let's just trade books and all this shit um you know like there was this kid that was actually uh when i was in like middle school he was like selling comic books for like a dollar <laughs> And I would buy them off of him for a dollar. I was like a fucking comic book crackhead. I remember. I'd be like, hey man, uh, you got that new X Men? Like, Yo man, give me that new X Men. I got you, man. Like, like, you ain't got no money. You can't buy this X Men off of me. Please, sir. Please let me get that new X Men. I suck your dick. It never came to that, but. <laughs> but I was so much into comic books at that time. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, this movie right here. But like I said, like I was a huge comic book uh, geek at the time. So like this movie like really hit me at the right time. And at the time, fourteen years old, I think I was like already kind of like a Kevin Smith fan through his comics because like he wrote Green Arrow, he wrote Daredevil. Daredevil is another one I forgot about Daredevil. Loved fucking Daredevil. Loved reading fucking Daredevil. Like uh, Kevin Smith was doing like the Marvel Knight shit. Also, like I said, like and then he was writing Green Arrow. 
Uh, so like I knew Kevin Smith was I would see him in like Wizard Magazine all the time so I was already kind of a fan of Kevin Smith uh, I saw a Dogma I remember I had a Dogma poster on my wall when I was a teenager uh, I saw that I'd seen that so like I so I was like I would like go back through his catalog and watch his shit so like I was watching like Clerks I was watching Chasing Amy, which is like two other movies I got to talk about, and I was watching like I would watch, and I stumbled across Mallrats on cable, and I liked it, you know. So I liked it at the time because like it spoke to me, you know. It really fucking spoke to me. It spoke to me even though it's about like these like fucking white young adults in New Jersey who like comic books but it spoke to me even though I'm a black teenager in New Orleans but the the common denominator is we all like comic books you know so (laughs) that was the uh, common denominator it was like oh those guys like comic books I like comic books it doesn't matter what color they are but uh, it doesn't matter what race they were I I relate to that shit you know so so like it it really it really that movie the movie really fucking spoke to me at the time so like i was really into it um let's get into some technical shit now the movie was written directed by kevin smith duh uh (laughs) it has a rotten tomato score of 57 percent which i i look at it now it's fair that's a fair uh it's not that great of a movie it's not that bad of a movie it's in the middle the budget for the movie was $6.1 million. It only brought in $2.1 million at the box office, so it under-delivered. It actually kind of failed. Uh, this movie does have some fun casting stories, though. The main character, uh, T.S., was almost played by Henry Thomas. If you don't know who Henry Thomas is, Henry Thomas is the kid from E.T. So the kid from E.T. almost got the character of T.S., but... Uh, they 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 eventually went with uh, Jeremy London because there's two of them. For the longest time, I got I got a detour. For the longest time, I didn't know that Jeremy London and Jason London weren't the same person. <laughs> I believe this is Jeremy London in this movie. I did not know that Jeremy London and Jason London were twins. They're identical twins, and in the '90s, they were like in everything. Because uh, you would see Jason London in something, and then you see Jeremy London in something. I think Jason London is the one that got the most work. Uh, Jeremy London, he did things here and there. I think Jeremy London is also the one with like the, the, the like the fucking drug addiction, I believe. But but anyway, um, I believe that's him. Because uh, uh, I think my wife was talking about them. My wife was talking about them, and she was like, the way you can tell the two of two of them apart one's fatter than the other or some shit like that she said like one's a little bit thicker than the other one i think uh jeremy is jeremy is is the thick one and uh jason is the skinny one i believe but uh yeah man for the longest time like i thought they were the same person because i was like i was like wow this dude gets all the work i remember as a kid i'm like this how does he work? He has the greatest agent fucking ever. Because this dude is in every fucking thing. It is, I didn't find out until... Uh, I actually used to watch a show called 7th Heaven. 
I actually used to watch Seventh Heaven, and both of them ended up being cast members on Seventh Heaven, and that's when I found out they were fucking twins. I was like, "Yo, they're fucking twins." <laughs> that's the only re- that's the only way I found out was when they were on fucking Seventh Heaven, and this had to be like 1999 <laughs> or some shit, I think, uh, or 2000. When I found out, I finally found out these motherfuckers were twins. They had like a Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen thing going on. Because for the longest, I thought Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen were the same person until like they started doing shit together. And I was like, yo, they're twins. What the fuck? Um, but yeah, man. Uh, but anyway, like Jeremy London ended up getting the role. Uh, Brody was almost played uh, by Adam Sandler. But uh, they ended up casting Jason Lee, who had no prior acting experience before this. Uh, he was actually a professional skateboarder before this. Like, he wasn't even in acting. He was a fucking skateboarder before this. Uh, so he got the role of Brody. Uh, Jason Mewes actually almost got replaced as Jay his, in his iconic role of Jay. They were, uh, the, the studio didn't like Jason Mewes, I heard from what I from what I researched and they wanted to bring in either Seth Green or uh Brecken Meyer <laughs> to replace him as Jay imagine how different and the different dynamic that character would have had with Silent Bob can you imagine that shit and I don't think Seth Green and Brecken Meyer would have embodied that role as, as good as Jason Mewes would, did cause that's really fucking Jason Mewes you know <laughs> That's just Jason Muse being Jason Muse. I mean, like, it's called... The, the, the name of the character is Jay. They didn't even really fucking change the name very much. Jay is sh- short for Jason. You know, so... That's that's that. Uh, Kevin Smith also cast his girlfriend at the time, Joey Lauren Adams, <laughs> in the film. And we get to see her titties. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what it is, man. It was like, Jay, Kevin Smith loves the show off his girl's tits you know <laughs> doing research for this i didn't know this but like he actually shot his wife in a playboy spot and like her tits are out her cooch is out and all this shit you know like he just loves to show his girlfriends and, and just loves to show their titties i'm just gonna be blunt about it you know <laughs> but like for a split second we see uh joey lauren adams tits in this movie uh Shannon Doherty, Claire Falani, Ben Affleck, Michael Roker, and Kevin Smith himself round out the rest of the cast. The plot, plot simple. This movie is just about two sla- two slackers walking around the mall trying to get their girlfriends back because both their girlfriends break up with them at the beginning of the movie. Um, and also, T.S. has like a like a terrorist charge against them or some shit. I forgot what I, I totally forgot, but like it looked like he was trying to shoot the mayor or some shit, but he he wasn't. Uh, it was just him playing around with his girlfriend. Uh, for context, for context on that, he was supposed to be in a play where like he played like a like a blue coat, like it was supposed to be like some Revolutionary War play or some shit like that, and he had like a musket and. He was playing around with his girlfriend, played by Claire Forlani. We'll get to her later. Um, he was playing around with her, and he got the gun jammed in her hair. And the mayor was down, and she had Secret Service with her and shit. 
or like uh, security with her and they thought that T.S. was trying to shoot the mayor so he becomes kind of like public enemy number one in the fucking town really so um, moving on to that his girlfriend breaks up with him after that and uh, Brody's girlfriend breaks up with him Brody's girlfriend played by Shannon Doherty we'll get to her later uh but anyway uh let's just get to ts uh ts is fucking annoying to me <laughs> i'm just gonna be blunt i'm gonna be blunt throughout this whole goddamn doc uh, documentary i'm sorry throughout this whole goddamn review uh ts is annoying as shit like he's just this like irrational like lovesick puppy dog like he's almost he's almost borderline stalkerish like T.S. I'm gonna, I'm gonna describe T.S. T.S. is like definitely a dude that would like commit a murder suicide. I, I see it. I fucking see it. I'm like T.S. is so fucking obsessed with this girl Brandy played by Claire Ferlani, Uh, that if this were real, he would lock himself and Brandy in a fucking room together and he would shoot Brandy and then he would shoot himself that's how fucking borderline crazy I find TS they try to make it lovable they try to make it harmless but in real life this dude's fucking shooting his girlfriend and then shooting himself like it's not healthy that's all I got to say uh let's move on to Brody let's move on the character of Brody Brody is a character that uh I related to a lot you know like he's a totally misunderstood character uh a lot of people find brody to be a dick a lot of people think that brody's a douche a lot of people think that brody's an asshole but what i found is that uh brody acts out because he he hasn't found his purpose yet you know and sometimes people don't find their their purpose they don't find what they're meant to do till later in life because if you see brody later on throughout this whole uh series because this is a whole series of movies uh if you if you if you come back to uh brody like five years later he's running a comic book shop you know he's got his own comic book shop i know at the end of the movie they say oh he went on to host a late night (laughs) to host a tonight show or some shit like that but that that shit never happened you know (laughs) him being a comic book him being a comic book store owner is more realistic I, like that was the most realistic shit because like he found he because like he's he seems like that type of guy like me who doesn't want to be stuck in a dead-end job you know he doesn't want to be stuck in a dead-end job you know he wants to do what he loves and he found what he loved he loves comic books so he was like i'm gonna fucking do i'm gonna fucking open a comic book shop that's what i'm gonna do so like he found what he wanted to do later in life and now he's happy um totally misunderstood character uh about this movie this movie really focuses a lot on like the two main characters and like everybody else kind of fades into the background uh for example uh claire falani uh she plays uh ts's girlfriend brandy like i like i spoke of before uh she's gone for most of this movie like she's in the beginning she's in like the first 20 minutes of the movie and she's gone for at least an hour and 45 minutes i want to say i think this movie's like two hours 
she was gone for an hour and 45 minutes. At, at the least. We don't see her again until like the last like 45 minutes of this goddamn movie, I want to say. Like, she's gone for a long period of fucking time in this movie. And he's the object. She's, she, I'm sorry. She's the object of T.S.'s affection. And you don't see her throughout most of the goddamn movie. <laughs> like, she's gone. Uh, first of all, and first of all, Claire Falani. Uh, remember when Claire Falani was supposed to be the shit? Remember when she was supposed to be like the next Julia Roberts? <laughs> pretty much. Like, she was supposed to be like the next Julia Roberts, and nothing happened after that. Nothing fucking happened after that. Uh, secondly, her uh, her accent comes out because I think in real life she's like fucking. She's either Irish or British. I looked it up earlier today and I already forgot <laughs> what she's supposed to be uh or what she what's her nationality I think she's either like Irish or British and like when she talks you can kind of hear she's supposed to be from Jersey but when she talks you can kind of hear her her accent come out a, a bit you know her, her accent comes out a little bit so, so uh it's probably why she's not in the movie for most of the time I don't know but kind of a shame that she's not in most of this movie uh Shannon Doherty who plays Brody's girlfriend uh Renee she's in this movie a lot she gets a lot of screen time because uh, Shannon Doherty in the 90s I mean come on uh, <laughs> she was on Beverly Hills 90210 and all this other shit uh Shannon Doherty was uh kind of like the female Charlie Sheen if you if you think about it you know like she's very difficult to deal with you know she was always in some type of fucking scandal and shit, she was, like, always with all these dudes, like, she could, like, Shannon Doherty couldn't keep a man for shit, uh, but, yeah, man, Shannon Doherty was pretty much the Charlie Sheen, uh, the, the female Charlie Sheen of the 90s, that's, that's very, very much, she had a very, very bad reputation in the 90s, but she still kept getting cast and shit, you know, you know, but, yeah, man, she's, she's in this movie a lot, um, Ben Affleck's in this movie also. Moving on. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say one good thing about Ben Affleck. He's one of the best Batmans I've ever seen. Moving on. Uh, Michael Roker plays this really over-the-top, overprotective dad that looks like Lex Luth- looks like uh, Lex Luthor. Uh... Because I was looking at Michael Roker throughout the whole movie and his performance. Michael Roker's a great actor, by the way. Like, he's always been good. He's always been a good actor. Uh, Lex Luthor, uh, I've always seen him as a uh, Lex Luthor uh, type character. In this movie, anyway. In this movie, I saw him as Lex Luthor and... uh Sorry about that abrupt ending there. Uh, I had to go deal with my, I had to go deal with my kid who is ironically named Brody. <laughs> you know, by the way, <laughs> ironically, she's 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 named after a character in this movie. Oh, uh, kind of it, kind of inspired me. But uh, I was talking about Michael Roker as Lex Luthor. I was like, I was saying that he could be a good Lex Luthor in the '90s. I don't know if they were to. Um, 
because they were trying to do a Superman movie in the uh, late 90s uh, with Nicolas Cage. And I was saying, like, huh, Michael Roker would have been a good Lex Luthor. And Kevin Smith was attached to the movie before Tim Burton. I don't know if he, like, he was like, hey, uh, if I do do this movie, Michael Roker is going to be my Luthor. You know, and here I see it. Like I say, Michael Roker's a great actor, by the way. Great fucking actor. Uh, but in this movie, he's like, he's so over the top and overprotective, you know, as uh, Brandy's dad, Jared, that he, like, you're like, does he, does he want to fuck her? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, you're, there's a, it, like, there's a lot of creepy indentations in uh, Jared, uh, Brandy's dad, you know, like, he's kind of, he's kind of a creeper to me. Uh, moving on, uh, Jay and Silent Bob are just doing Jay and Silent Bob stuff. Uh, about Jay and Silent Bob, let's talk about them. Uh, I find, personally, personally, I find myself, as I get older, uh, really liking these characters less and less. Uh, I don't know if that's just me growing up, you know, because as I get older, I really start to wane on these characters. Like, these characters don't really age well, especially uh, in that movie, in that last movie that they did with uh, Jay and Silent Bob. I forgot the name of the movie, but I saw, I watched the movie. I watched it. I gave it a chance. I gave it a chance to. I gave it a chance just to see if I still like these characters, and I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't relate to Jane Silent Bob at all anymore. Uh, these characters are characters that are just really fucking immature. They're really fucking immature. Uh, these are characters I think I grew out of, like. Not even five years ago, I want to say I grabbed these characters when I was turned 21. Because I remember Clerks 2 came out when I was still in college. And I watched the movie and I didn't relate to it at all. <laughs> I didn't relate to it. So, like, I and those characters, and I was like, you know what? Jane Silent Bob really getting on my fucking nerves now. <laughs> I was kind of like, <laughs> I was like, you take them out of here. I don't know. It might be a good movie. Who knows? But, um, so like I think I probably I probably grew out of Jay and Silent Bob at, at like 21 years old after after teen after I was a teenager. Like these are characters like I said these are characters that don't stand the test of time because like the characters of their time they're very 90s fucking characters very fucking 90s and I don't think there's character I don't think they're characters that you can continue on with uh with new generations. You know, they're just characters that a certain generation saw and you just fucking grow up and they just fucking grew out of them, you know? You know, like, I hope that Jay and Silent Bob movie that he did, like, a couple years back, I hope that's the last one because these characters don't age well. That's all I got to say. Um, There is one character in here that I find really fucking disturbing. And that's Trisha Jones played by Renee Humphrey because she's a 15 year old girl 15 year old girl who has sex with grown men on camera can't do that today Stan Lee also makes a cameo not in Trisha in the movie uh 
he makes a cameo in the movie, not Trisha, okay, uh, but, uh, so Stan Lee makes a cameo also, he's in this movie, rest in peace, Stan, uh, but overall, as a person who's still a fan of Kevin Smith, I love Kevin Smith, as a person, uh, he's a, he's a great podcaster, he's, he's great at, like, fucking pop culture, and, uh, talking about, talking about movies, he's great at that, like, when it comes to, like, talking about movies, he's the fucking Michael Jordan to talking about movies, he's better, he's better than me, talking about movies, way, he's way better than me, but, uh, but, Kevin Smith is kind of, like, amused to me, like, I hope to be as good as Kevin Smith when it comes to talking about movies and talking about pop culture, he's the, he's the best at it, um, like and like I felt nostalgia for this movie like as a person who 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 who's still a fan of Kevin Smith but as a person who likes movies this movie did not age well at all it's stuck in the 90s like th- like this is a movie that's very of its time and like it hit a generation of kids and young adults at a right time you know at the right time, like, in the mid-90s, uh, like, because, and, like, it talked about things that nobody was talking about in, in, like, the mainstream, but, like, nope, nobody in 1995, in 1995, in 1995, nobody was talking about Wolverine in the mainstream, (laughs) I'm like, shit, like, Hugh Jackman probably didn't know who Wolverine was in 1995, (laughs) you know, like, this is Kevin Smith did his part like Kevin Smith did his part in bringing comic book culture to the mainstream like he 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 did his best in every movie he's ever done you know he's tried to throw in at least some type of comic book reference in here because he has a passion for it like I do you know like he has a passion for it like he has a passion for comic book culture and he wanted to bring it to the mainstream he wanted to bring this thing that he loved into the fucking mainstream, and I fucking adore him for it, you know, and, like, that's why I consider him, uh, in a part, uh, just an important part of pop culture, but as a movie, Mallrats is very, very transitional, I, I, when I watched Mallrats, I just sat there as a 35-year-old man, and, like I said, felt nostalgia, but as a movie, I felt nothing, <laughs> I felt empty, you know, like, there was nothing in this movie where I was like, oh, yeah, I still relate to that, oh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, but I was, it's very transitional, like I said, not a great movie, not a bad movie, just a middle of the road movie, I gave it a three out of five, join me next week when I'll be talking about 1997's, oh, God, this one's gonna be a doozy, cause I'm gonna talk about Turbo, a Power Rangers movie. Pray for me. See you guys later. Peace.